0: Welcome, Savvy Investor, to Skyline Views.
1: Welcome back to Skyline Views. I'm Chris Mills. My guest today is real estate entrepreneur, host of the Real Estate Investing Club podcast and the Pursuing Greatness podcast, Mr. Gabe Peterson. How are you, Gabe? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Uh, let's get started with uh, your journey and background in real estate, so folks can get to know a little bit about you.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I've, I've gone over this before, and it's a, it is not a um, a linear story, and I feel like that is true for everybody who gets started in real estate. You know, mm-hmm. you're starting something else, and then you end up in real estate. I love it. I'm glad I landed up here, but it's definitely not been a, a straight arrow for me. Um, let's see. So I got. But When I graduated college, the goal was law school. I wanted to go to law school. That's what I had in my mind. I flew out to the, the college. I went to the classes. I, and then I got to actually, you know, went and I um, shadowed a lawyer and I realized I hated it. I was like, this is <laughs> not going to be for me. This is not the job for me. So I had to pivot. Um, you know, I graduated, didn't have any plan in mind. Um, the economy was in the tank. It was 2008. And so I was just kind of looking around. I was like, "What the hell am I gonna do?" A friend of mine uh, got a job at Accenture, a um, consulting firm. I was like, "Shoot, that you know, that's good, as good as anything else. Let's do it." So I, I hopped on the consulting bus. Um, I thought I was gonna love it. Turned out I did not like the, I didn't like corporate, um, the, the corporate environment, you know, I had to drive 45 minutes every day, uphill both ways. No, not really uphill, but <laughs> I had to, you know, I didn't like the ha- having to be at a certain location every single day. I didn't like the lack of control. I didn't like um, that I couldn't deal with my own time um, and that the, there was a lot of creati- creative restrictions. It was very, uh, you know, I couldn't really, I didn't have direction over what I was doing. Um, so, you know, I did that for a few years, but I knew in the back of my mind that I had to get out. I had to find some way to, to just get out of what I was doing to exit the rat race as I, as I called it. Um, so, you know, years went by, I kept working in consulting, kept doing the corporate thing the whole time. I was kind of like chewing on what can I do to get out of this, this situation that I'm in. Um, And so, you know, I was that guy, I was flipping through my phone on Facebook and that the ad would come up, you know, here, do this thing, make a million dollars. And I was like, yes, whatever it is, I'll do it. Let's do it. So the first thing that popped up on my my phone was um, e-commerce. I I was one of the ones that, you know, bit on the e-commerce bug. Um, I actually, I did decently well. Uh, That was my first foray into kind of entrepreneurship. Um, I I got a store up to 20,000 a month um, which for people who are in e-commerce know that that's, it sounds like a lot of mo- money, but when you're talking about revenue, um, e-commerce is very slim margin. So it was not, especially because I was doing drop shipping. And so it was not, um, it was not good. It wasn't enough for me to actually leave my corporate job with. Um, so I knew, you know, I was doing e-commerce for a while and I didn't like sitting behind the computer and just staring at the screen for so many hours. Um, so I, I had to get it, find another way. Uh, the next, thing that I attempted, the next you know, business that I tried to create was uh, a, a marketing agency because through this e-commerce proz- process, I had gotten really good at marketing, at digital marketing, because that's one of the, the main skills that you need for e-commerce. Um, so I thought I could apply it to, to other people, to you know, other businesses. So I got a few clients, um, as, and the first one was actually a realtor. Um, and you know, that kind of got me in the door of learning how to market for off-market leads and, you know, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know that I was going towards real estate, but I, I could see just from working with him the potential of it. He was a luxury home seller. Um, and so he was selling homes that were, you know, two to $15 million. Um, so there, there were big homes and the commissions were ginormous. It was it was absurd. And he was paying me, um, you know, at the time I didn't have the confidence in myself to, to, to charge what I was worth. And so he was paying me like 12 I think it was 750 a month, and then the 1250, uh, 1200 dollar um, upfront charge. 750 a month was not; it was just not enough for for what I was doing. Um, so again, it was not it was not enough for me to actually leave the corporate job. And this was like seven years into being in corporate. Um, so seven years, you know, it was probably five years into it, maybe six. I was doing the 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 consulting thing. I was marketing on the side. Um, a friend of mine came to me and he said hey do you want to flip a house I I saw this thing about flipping a house there's this house over here this triplex in Tacoma Um, do you want to do it with me and you know I'd watched HDTV I was like I could do that no problem so I hopped on the house flipping train and I I, we bought this triplex down in Tacoma Um, it was a lot of work but I loved that there was an actual structure there was something that we could see that we could you know, we could put our hands on. It wasn't just, you know, a thing in the in the internet that I was working on. Um, and so we did it, you know, it took probably six months and we flipped the flipped the property for, um, I think we came out with 83,000, which was great at the time. I was like, wow, if I'd held it for a little bit longer now looking back, it would have been a lot better, but, <laughs> but we got a, a good amount after that flip. And, and I was hooked. I, I loved the process. I was really good at marketing already. So I knew how to market for off-market leads. Um, and I loved how there was an actual structure. You know, each, each, I like to see investing as each house, each property that you buy is its own business. Um, it has its own systems. It has its own back end, Each property is its own business. And so I loved that it was very, there was very systemic. There are systems within each property that you buy. And it is a structure. It's something that you can actually see. Um, and so I was hooked. You know, from that point on, I, I got into wholesaling um, and then flipping more houses. Uh, I eventually left my corporate job, um, started buying residential uh, um, rentals. And you know, I'm kind of skipping over a few things here. But now, <laughs> now I'm in a mobile home and RV parks. We're we're closing on our third one here. And, and so uh, yeah. It's uh, it's been a journey. It definitely has not been linear, but I'm I'm glad I'm on the path I'm on now. Oh, and the podcast, of course, Real Estate Investing Club. Um, we do the club and then the podcast, and then we have a mentorship program and a, a course that we sell. So it's it's been a lot over the past uh, five years, but it's been it's been pretty
1: great. That's cool. That's fantastic. Talk about the the systems that you mentioned, and you know, curious. How have you revamped and updated those, you know, as you've gained more experience over the years?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so there's systems to, to everything you do. Um, what we've really, uh, so now I'm, I'm in a partnership and what we really kind of nailed down is our acquisition and marketing systems. Um, and well, I can mean, go pretty deep into this, but we go, so we do which specifically you got to ask me specific
1: questions because I don't want
2: to want to start rambling. Sure. Here.
1: No. So are there any, you know, are there any ways that you started out one way and then you updated or changed a certain system or standard operating procedure, um, started doing it this way now you're doing it this way and it completely changed or improved your business?
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um... So, I mean, the first thing that pops to mind is our CRM system. So, you know, when I first got started in off-market lead generation, for people who are not familiar, who aren't in um, investing, you, you know, there is, you can invest from properties that are on the market for sure. There are great deals out there to be had. Um, you can flip them, you can buy them as rentals, you know, whatever. The But if you really wanted to do investing right, quote unquote, if you want to really, you know, get get a deal that has a lot of value add potential um, it's usually found off market. It's found in networks. It's found by marketing um, directly with, with sellers um, but it's not found on the MLS. And so you have to really get good at those skills. And um, so the system that kind of, you know, when you, when you asked that question, the one that kind of popped into my mind was our, our CRM system. Um, You know, we do all this off market lead gen and, when we first started, well, I would have all these deal, all these leads come into me um, and I, I would basically just kind of hold them. And, you know, I have all these little pieces of paper and like, you know, I had my notebook, I had John's name here, his phone number here, uh, you know, when I should call him back, all that stuff. Uh, so once we put it into something that was cohesive into, we use Podio um, and Podio is great because we can use the, we can track the leads, um, you know, what stage they're at, the property's location, the, you know, everything that the seller told us about the property. Uh, we could put um, his PSA in there. That And then if it actually goes to due diligence, we create another due diligence um, app, a due diligence CRM system. And so having that all in one system where it's very organized and very, uh, it gives us reminders, you know, um, a lot of doing off-market lead gen is the follow-up you once you touch when when you connect with somebody once you have to follow up with them um every you know three four uh six weeks just you know see where they're at because a lot of times they're calling you just interested they're like hey you know i'm just curious what this process is like Mm -hmm. uh what do you do how why would i sell to you um and so then that time is not good for them. And so you call them back six weeks later and say, hey, you know, we just wanted to check in. We had a, we had a conversation with you a little while ago. And we wanted to see where you're at. Maybe at that time they're ready. So having that system in place to where you get reminders, you can see where every lead is at is is crucial. It keeps you it keeps you organized and it keeps the system kind of running. Um, so I think that's the, I mean, when you said that that, that's probably the one that popped up to my mind the most. I mean, we're really right now, we're kind of, building out the really heavy operation systems. So right now what's, what's we're getting a lot of benefit from is the systems in the back end. So paying the bills, um, utilities, the mortgages, the insurance, all that kind of stuff. So.
1: Great. Good information there. How did you come upon the RV and mobile home parks?
2: Um. Yeah. That that was really. I never thought I would ever buy a mobile home park. <laughs> that was the <laughs> last thing in my mind. Uh. And so. Um. So yeah. I was probably. I don't know. I was probably five years into uh, into investing. Um. You know. After that first flip, and I had been doing it all myself. I, I'd been doing you know pretty good, but I wanted partnership. You know. I I really like working with people. That is the one thing that i really do like about corporate is that you're always on a team there's always people to to you know bounce ideas off of to connect with um i do i love working in teams and so i i had been doing the you know the this lone wolf kind of thing out there doing my own thing um and i i love the freedom but i did not like the isolation um i wanted the partnership and so i went out there and I started networking with people, you know, putting feelers out there and um, my partner would be fine if I said his name, his name's Jan Monat. Uh, I met him um, and he was, you know, he was also looking for a partner and he was down going down the path of mobile home parks. And he was like, you know, have you, have you ever heard about mobile home parks as an asset class? I hadn't. And I was like, tell me about it. Why is it such a good idea? <laughs> so um, it turns out it is a really great asset class, especially, it's great in, in many ways. It's great for the economy. It's great for, for the community um, because there is, especially in Washington, there are not a lot of options for affordable housing out here. Um, Washington, in my opinion, the, the rent prices are just absurd. Um, it's, it's just, it's way too much. And I, if you didn't have, if you're not making a decent amount of money, you just can't rent a house. I mean, if there's no other option. So mobile home parks kind of fill that niche. Um, so that's one great one reason why they are really great. Um, and the other, re- well, actually, there's a lot of reasons why they're really great. They're, they aren't making any more mobile home parks, especially here in Washington. That's not true. Let me, they are making more, but it's very hard to make more mobile home parks because um, municipalities do not get the tax spent. They don't get the tax dollars from a mobile home park. Um, so if you have a hundred space unit, a uh, hundred space mobile home park with, I don't know, say 400 people living there, but, the, if you if that was an apartment building, they would get a lot more money. Um, that, that city would get a lot more money than a mobile home park because mobile home parks can be appraised at, I don't know, two million dollars, and uh, they, the, the tax dollars just aren't there. Yeah. Um, and t- and sometimes you know if you have poor management, they tend to be they tend to draw in um, a, a, they tend to you know create chaos in the area that they're locate, located if you have poor management. So that's one of the headaches, but um, shoot, sorry. I forgot where I was going with that. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> Can you, Oh, why, why mobile home parks? Yeah. I was going to say uh, that
1: that would be the next thing to, to drill down into is why. Yeah. 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 Um,
2: so, I mean, the one thing that I said, so they are very, they serve the community. They serve a niche that is very needed. Um, and they, they aren't. They aren't making more of them, so they are very valuable. In that they're, you know, they're a, a a restricted commodity essentially. And but the the main reason why I really like them is, you are essentially leasing the land. And so, um, the when you buy, you know, every other asset class, there is a structure that needs to main, be maintained. And if, you know, if anybody out there has ever had a rental, you know that it can be. A nightmare sometimes i mean sinks break um you know windows break things just start to to you know over time things just start to become more dilapidated so there's a lot not only does that go into your the cost that you have to put into the house to, to repair it but it also it's just it's just headache um i do love i love flips because you get that pro, the the structure you get to see the begin, the the beginning and after after shots but maintaining them over a long period of time can definitely become a headache. And so mm-hmm. mobile home parks kind of solve that. You don't, the only thing that you're really maintaining is the infrastructure. So the, the electrical, the plumbing, um, you're maintaining the grounds. But after that, that the tenants actually own their house. They they own the mobile home. So you don't have to do the repairs to that you don't get the calls at you know 2 a.m. like, hey, my sink's my sink's leaking. Can you come and fix it? Um, that's their, actually their responsibility Hmm. and that's to the benefit of it because they, they want to maintain it because it is their house. so there's, there's more pride and ownership there. Um, so those are the main reasons why, uh, why mobile home parks. Um, and yeah.
1: What are some of the headaches unique to mobile home parks?
2: So, yeah, so there are definitely headaches, um, the first one that pops to mind is most of the mobile, well, many mobile home parks out there are mom and pop run. And so they are not, generally, if you're, if you're buying one, you're probably going to buy something that's had a lot of deferred maintenance. And so stabilizing it could be a huge headache. Um, and especially if there's park owned homes. So if, if the current owner owns the, the homes in the lots and then rents those homes out, that's just buying a bunch of liability, and it's it's a huge headache. We just bought um, a park, a 20, 26 pad park out in George Washington, and there are four four park owned homes there, and you know, even those four is just just a nightmare. And so, mm-hmm. it, that is one thing that can it can really deter you from it. Um, the other thing, a lot of people, there's a stigma around mobile home parks um, being, you know, kind of drawing in a crowd of people that will create you know, pain in your life. Uh, I haven't found that to be, you, you know, you will get those, those people, um, for sure, but generally they're just blue collar workers. They're just, uh, they're, you know, they're good people. Um, and so that is, that's kind of the stigma that would drive a person away from it. I don't think it is, it is hundred percent warranted, but, um, you know, it is something too that you should be aware of when you're going into it.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Let's talk about you, you've mentioned a handful of areas, uh, around Washington state where you are, can you talk about, uh, what you like about some of these areas and maybe what you like about Washington state.
2: Uh, for investing. Yeah. 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 I mean, Washington is just killer, man. I mean, if anybody's invested out here, um, over the past 10 years, we've just been, it's just been a a hockey stick, just going straight up. Um, appreciation has been absurd. Uh, I don't see it continuing in that, in that direction. Um, I mean, it can't forever. It'll become California and nobody, nobody likes California's (laughs) prices down there. Uh, so I mean, Washington's been great. Um, and well, I live here. That's probably the main reason why I love it, but, uh, I, I just like Washington itself. Um, I like the seasons. I like, uh, you know, there's, there's the ocean there and then you can drive 30 minutes and you're in the mountains, you can go ski in. Um, but the appreciation is if you're talking just strictly real estate, Washington State's appreciation has been, you know, top 10 in the nation for the past 10 years. And so um, it's definitely, definitely a good state to invest in. And gotcha. that's probably just because of Amazon.
1: <laughs> yeah, the projections from the Washington State Employment Security Department um do have the, the job growth tapering a bit but it has been strong um 2.1 to 1.5 percent from now to 2023 and then um but still you know hanging strong through 2023 to 2028 so uh yeah I just pulled those up before we started but um but yeah you guys have been on a tear it's been pretty great <laughs> must be nice must be nice <laughs> Talk a bit about um, anything you've experienced regarding um, landlord-tenant laws. Those can kind of vary state by state and region by region. What are they like in your area? Um,
2: Yeah, Washington is, uh, I don't think it's the worst, but it's definitely not the best. Um, I haven't really had any issues right now. I mean, this is COVID time, so there's an eviction moratorium, um, and that has been extended and so, you know, those are, tenant laws are; those are the laws as an investor that you only run into when you have problems. Thank God, I haven't had a ton of problems, um, so I haven't really had to deal with those too much. Um, I know, I do know that we are we are not the most; uh, I don't know. We're probably in the middle middle of the pack when it comes to tenant laws in Washington State. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't I haven't dealt directly with them. Uh, and so, far as I have had issues with my tenants, um, luckily I've done great with my tenants. And that is, uh, that's one thing when you're, when you're leasing out a property, you got to talk, you got to get good people in there. Don't, don't, you really do have to interview people and make sure that they are, um, you know, they'll take care, care, care of your property. And it doesn't matter if they're in a mobile home park or a luxury, luxury condo um, that you got to, you got to interview them and make sure they're not, not going to destroy your property. So I, I've had good tenants. Um, they haven't. Well, I inherited one tenant who totally destroyed one of my properties, but that I didn't get a selector so that, that didn't count.
1: <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> so what's next for you Gabe? what are you are you gonna stick with the mobile home route? Um, are you gonna stick with Washington? Are you looking at other regions, other asset classes? What do you think?
2: Yeah um, I'm actually closing on a, uh, a multifamily out in Cleveland right now. Um, Washington is, I don't have a lot of faith in the continued trajectory upwards. Um, I think it's going to, as you said, it sounds like it already is tapering off. Um, So I'm not looking for rentals in Washington. So I'm looking kind of in the middle of the country. Um, Ohio, uh, Cleveland has been, has kind of caught my eye, Cincinnati. um, So I've been looking down there. I've also been looking in Florida uh, so that for, for multifamily, um, you know, apartment buildings—that's what I'm looking for. For mobile home parks, I'm just going to stick in Washington. Um, you know, we market nationally, and so we'll buy anything that we find that is a, an absolute killer deal. But other than that, we will wholesale it um, if it's national. In Washington, we tend to do a lot of seller financing, um, and so we can, you know, we can get pretty good terms with the sellers. Um, so, if it's in Washington, we'll probably just buy it. Sounds good. Sounds good.
1: All right. Well, um, this has been really good. Uh, how can people get a hold of you or learn more about your uh, podcasts and things of that nature?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, go to it's called The Real Estate Investing Club. You can search on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever you want. Um, you can also go to therealestateinvestingclub.com. dot com. Um, check out everything we got there. We got a course, we got a uh, masterclass. If you guys want to get into real estate investing, kind of learn the the ins and outs of how to market for off market deals, um, and you know actually acquire good asset cl- assets uh, for your own portfolio, um, so check it out therealestateinvestingclub.com.
1: dot Excellent. Thanks again for your time. This has been really good. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. <laughs> All right.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Skyline Views with Chris Mills. We hope you found this valuable and useful. Feel free to share it with friends or family that could benefit as well. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. We really appreciate it. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with us through thehaneycompany.com. See you next time. The information provided in this episode is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. Skyline Views, The Haney Company, their employees, and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are advised to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant for the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicative of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Christopher Mills is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisor representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Neither Coastal Equities Incorporated nor Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated is affiliated with Skyline Views or the Haney Company. Advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, a U.S. SEC-registered investment advisor, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated. Member FINRACIPIC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801.